So we've been on a Kingdom of God series, and today uh, we're, we're, we're stepping away from that in one way, but in another way, this is the cool part about the Kingdom of God, because the Kingdom of God is way bigger than Crawford, Nebraska. Uh, sometimes we get so consumed with the kingdoms in our own context that, that today is a good stretch for us when it comes to that. Uh, Curtis has been here one other time. Uh, at that point, I think it was still up in the air, potentially, what was happening, or it was right in the beginning of this new shift and this idea of this country called Ukraine. Uh, think about that, being called to Ukraine at such a time as this, uh, called to a place to serve a people who need to hear about Jesus Christ. Um, uh, this is for fate. Fate, sometimes God uses the way he made us to reveal how he uses us. And so he made Curtis to love motorcycles, and so God is using him through motorcycles. Uh, he's, it's been a tool of ministry for him. I'm sure he'll share about that. As he's been in Ukraine, it's been an opportunity for him to share the good news there. So this morning, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Curtis. Uh, you can introduce your, your family or whoever you want to introduce, um, but uh, we're, we're excited to have you with us this morning, so thank you for being here. Well, it is, uh, it's wonderful to be here. Um, I do want to introduce my uh, wife, Teresa, our young son, Colton. Uh, they're there. Colton's on the front row. Teresa's going to come and say hello to you uh, very briefly. Good morning, church. In Hebrews uh, 7.25, uh, um, there is found encouragement there, and I wanted to share that with you. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Um, We've been saved. Our sins have been forgiven by Jesus' death. He's given us his Holy Spirit, and he is praying for us continually, even now. So I wanted to encourage you that we are not alone. He is with us. He wants us to turn to him. He is ready for us, eager for us to use that forgiveness that he has purchased at such a price. So daily repentance, moment by moment repentance, um, a turning to him um, is not only welcome, he wants us to use it. So let us, let us remember he is for us, not against us. We are not alone. So that's my encouragement. God bless you. So please, give her a hand. Come on. It's a big stretch for her, but what, what, a powerful, what a powerful word. Seems to be that there's a theme running this morning here, that God wants to be involved in your life. If, uh, if there's any doubt of that uh, today, Maybe you're one of the people that you've been reluctant maybe to, to just jump into this thing. And maybe some things even happen in this service today that you're uh, uh, not, not comfortable. It's just because you don't know him yet. Get to know him and you will find out everything he said in his word is true. And that he has the ability to bring your life to a, a new dimension that without Him, you're just never going to be there. You're always going to be scraping away, looking for something, and it's never going to be enough. Uh, I, it is a great honor to be back here. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Pastor. I have a short video that I would like for you to watch with me. Is, if that, hopefully that's ready. Pray with us. 
As devastating as the war in Ukraine is, it is a gospel moment for Ukraine, Russia, and the refugees scattering into Europe. God is at work. He is not surprised. So we declare that this crisis is a gospel opportunity. We pray for our missionary workers. Some have left Ukraine to minister on the borders. Others have stayed in country to express solidarity with the national church. We affirm both choices and pray for Holy Spirit guidance. We pray for Christians on both sides of this conflict. The Russian Pentecostal church was greatly influenced by the Ukrainian revival in the 1920s. And even today, many leaders in the Russian church are ethnic Ukrainians. Let's stand with the church more than we make political statements. We serve with a combination of love, truth, and power in our mission activity. We love by meeting the physical need. We bring truth by sharing the gospel as laid out in scriptures. And we walk in power by praying for healing, miracles, deliverance, and the acts of intervention that only God can do. Men and women, young and old, from across our nation and the world have Ukraine and Russia in their hearts and minds every day. We are praying and believing that this will lead to hundreds of missionaries to be called to work in these countries and among these peoples. We pray for peace. We pray for the good news to be preached. We pray for gospel resources to be provided. We pray for strength among our pastors and people, and we pray for divine intervention in Ukraine and Russia. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to ask you to do with that video. Uh, requested that we do, and we're going to pray for Ukraine. But um, this has been a little bit of a rough. It's been a rough week. Uh, I, I, I went to Ukraine to start motorcycle ministry a few years ago. And we had we had great success. There's some uh, I have, I've got some fantastic guys over there that are even in this war time who have figured out ways. Uh, to spread the gospel uh, in in the midst of of just things I can't even imagine, and uh, this this week I, I sorry. didn't anticipate this. I'm sorry. Um, one of my guys, uh, he didn't have to, but he joined the military, and he's been he's been called up. And so, uh, next few days, he's going to be—he's going to be saying goodbye to his family, and putting his affairs in order. He's not that much younger than me. He's got—he's got grown children and grandchildren. He's going to be uh, putting his affairs in order and saying his uh, his goodbyes uh, to his family, and he's headed to the front lines. And uh, so, as we pray, I would ask you please to keep uh, keep this man in prayer. He's the vice president of Honorbound Motorcycle Ministry International in Ukraine. A powerful, a powerful man of God. And believe me, there's a big part of me that wants to, wants to question his decision and want to, and want to tell him that he shouldn't have done it. But I believe that, I believe, I know him. And I believe this is a decision that he made carefully and prayerfully. 
And he feels like this is what God has called him to do. So I've been praying ever since I found out. First of all, God protect him. Get him back to his family as soon as possible. I've been praying, God, give him an easy job somewhere so far away from the... the con- I, I mean, I've just been praying like crazy. But the biggest thing I've been praying is, God, use him. Use him. Because there's, there's a place on the front lines for a man of God who knows how to pray. And it could be that's why God is sending him there, is that he's going to be able to preach the gospel to, to the men that he's fighting next to, and maybe even... Maybe even Russians who are uh, captured or surrendered. He, they, there needs to be there needs to be godly Christians in difficult situations. We don't retreat. We don't run and hide. We stay in the fight, and that's what he's doing. So, thank you for bearing with me. I, I didn't mean to get as emotional as I am, but you just got to understand. He's a he's the first one that I know. Well, that's really close to me that's, that's heading there. So can we please just pray and, and please remember, uh, remember uh, our vice president uh, of Honor Bound in Ukraine. His name is Misha, and I just encourage you in the next few weeks, if you would, just remember him. Father God, thank you so much for your love and for your mercy and for your compassion and for meeting us here today. God, we have experienced your presence. We know that you're here. There has been there have been. Hopeless situations that were brought to this altar this morning. And we've asked God for you to have your will and your way. And Lord, when I think about this war that's happening in Ukraine and and Russia and all of the circumstances that are there, they just seem like hopeless and helpless situations to me. And God, when I hear about my friend who's going to be right in the middle of that fray, God, there's there's little in my heart that, that, that comes naturally other than despair. But I don't serve the God of despair. I serve the God of hope, God. I don't serve I don't serve a God who's scratching his head and wondering what the solution is or or how things will come out. God, you know. And I trust in you. And so, Father, I ask that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I ask that your kingdom would come, Father God. And I affirm again my trust in you. And I ask you, God, to do what only you can do in all of Eastern Europe and bring peace and hope and a new realization that Jesus is the only way. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a table uh, out in the uh, foyer, and I, I want to invite you to please stop by there. And uh, there's a couple of things. This is a unique opportunity because I've been here before. You guys have still a few copies of this uh, prayer card, which is now highly collectible. Okay, These are absolutely out of print and circulation. So I'm going to leave them there. But I would suggest if you want one of these, the time is limited. Uh, but uh, that that so so what what the rest of the world calls these, and, and I want you to pick up our new one, okay? Because uh, this was a transitional card, is what it was. And I know when I was here last time, I would have been talking to you about some walls that I was hitting and some things where, according to man's perspective, it just wasn't going all that well. But I had the confidence of this in my heart, that this is what God was calling me to do. And if it cost me everything, that's what I was going to do because it's what God was calling me to do. I'm happy to report to you now, every door that was closed, God blew wide open. Every person that had a, in that process, 
there, there wasn't real high opinions of me along the way. Those are, that's kind of hard when you find that out. But I want you to know, God turned those all the way around. And I now have favor that I don't deserve. And I've, I'm, I'm being allowed to do things that, uh, that uh, I, I didn't think was ever going to happen through the official channels. But, so this is a very important uh, card to me. We are now missionaries to the nation of Ukraine. Before we were U.S. missionaries doing work in Ukraine. Now we are official missionaries to Ukraine. Even though the war is on, when I went before my final interviews, they asked me this question. They said, okay, well now, obviously things have changed. Where do you want to go now? And I said, Ukraine. I said, please send me to Ukraine. That video, one of the lines that was in that video, which is getting outdated now. There's a couple lines in there. It says, Ukraine and Russia are in the hearts of of people all over the world every day. I don't believe that anymore. I think it's almost such an old story now that a lot of people have kind of forgotten about it. But God hasn't. And I know that God has a plan for Ukraine. There's another line in there that says, pray that God would raise up hundreds of missionaries. And before I ever saw that video or anything, I told them, I said, you are going to be needing to send masses of missionaries in Ukraine someday. And they said, yeah, we know that's true. And I said, I'm the kind of guy that you need to send into Ukraine. And they said, yeah, we know that's true. And so they kept, they allowed me to keep my appointment to Ukraine, even though there's some question marks. We're, we're getting ready. We're starting to put our affairs in order and pack our bags and go. Even though we're not sure what we're going to go and what we're going to do, God does. So I encourage you, please take these. This is, uh, everybody else calls this a business card. Missionaries call this a prayer card. And I would like you to take this and, and put it, Somewhere where you would see it once in a while and then do that. Pray for us and pray for Ukraine. Let it let it serve as a reminder. But uh, some of you today, God might speak to you in a way that you're going to do something other than place this somewhere where you might run across it uh, somewhere. There are people all the time who tell me God told me to pray for you every single day. And if God is, is moving on your heart to become a part of that elite prayer force, that, that elite army that prays for us every day, I would encourage you, please obey Him and please do that. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I've known I was being carried by someone else's prayers. So I was in the thick of the fight. I'm just telling you, it wasn't, it wasn't me that was doing it, but I knew that God was hearing my name and God was helping me. So I'd encourage you, please stop by, uh, pick up uh, one of those. And we also have uh, an informa- kind of a, a general information sheet that talks about our work in Ukraine. And there's some, uh, there's some information about that and also ways for you to come on board and be a part of our financial support team if you'd like to do that. We are very, very close. And I'd love for you to help us finish, cross the finish so that we could depart for Ukraine uh, as soon as possible. Then there's there's one last thing, and uh, it's wonderful to see my brother from Chi Alpha here uh, with us today. And I just want to I want to I want to say to you, keep up the good work. Uh, I've been through this missionary process now, and the vast majority of missionaries that well, one they I thought they were all 12 years old. It was very strange. I was the old old man in the room with missionary candidate training. There's all these young people, and there were loads of them that, as I was talking to them about how they 
figured out God wanted them to become missionaries, I found out that they had no church background. They were not raised up in the church. And that's not an unusual story for me because I'm a Teen Challenge graduate. But that used to be what it was. If you were a preacher or you were a missionary that didn't have a good church background, it's because you went through Teen Challenge. Now, oh no, dozens and dozens and dozens said, I came to Christ because I joined a Chi Alpha group. I learned about Jesus Christ because of Chi Alpha. I had no church background. I went off to university and I didn't know who God was. I heard some of them who were hostile towards God. They had no, no plan whatsoever to ever acknowledge God, even His existence, and instead they joined a Chi Alpha group somehow. I don't know if you shang, maybe they got shanghaied in with donuts or, or something. I don't know what it was, but somehow they came in to a Chi Alpha group and they found that God had a plan for their life and they said yes to Him and then He's raising up missionaries. So I want to just tell you, man, Keep up the good work. They're doing an incredible thing in campuses all across America. And so as you invest in their ministry and what they're doing, just know that there are missionaries being sent all over the world. So your impact, your international impact is not just because there are international students. It's because missionaries are being raised up. I didn't mean to, I, that, that was totally off script. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. I was telling you to look at my stuff, whatever, but uh, please just stop by. I'd love to uh, 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 answer any questions that you might have, and um, I don't know, it, it's self-explanatory. Go to the table. Um, we, we uh, this past summer... We had hoped that we would be uh, getting our training in preparation to go to Ukraine. Of course, the war uh, happened, and uh, everything got kind of uh, mixed up and shuffled around, and uh, there were a whole, whole lot more question marks and exclamation points, and there were periods, and uh, we just didn't know what was happening. And it, it took us to the nation of Moldova, and uh, we were we were able to uh, minister to Ukrainian refugees there and uh, uh, preach the gospel in that country. And uh, so we have we have some uh, some information out there uh, on Moldova. But I want to I want to read a passage of scripture to you. This is uh, found in James chapter four. And uh, starting in verse 13, and listen, listen what it says. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. That's a that's a really strong statement. Uh, When when you when you kind of yank that out, it says all such boasting is evil. Doesn't say imprudent. It says evil. Assuming that you and I have enough information about our lives. That we can do long-range planning and get and get shut into a, uh, so, some sort of 
plan. He says, uh, all such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and does not do it sins. So when I look back on, on my life, um, a lot of what it's been is knowing when uh, to strategically change directions. We were in motorcycle ministry for over two decades. And there's something that I learned very quickly. If you want to minister in a motorcycle setting, and motorcycle rallies, places like Sturgis or big swap meets, if you want to go in there, you had better be flexible. I can't tell you how many times we had every single uh, detail hammered out. Maybe a year in advance, we knew exactly what was supposed to happen, exactly when we should leave, the amount of uh, time that we needed, the funds that we needed, and what, what it would look like once we hit the ground. And sometimes at the very last minute, we would get the rug completely yanked out from under us and have to change our plans completely. And I just want you to know that should be a daily expectation of a child of God. To know that God has a different way of seeing things than you do. And here's the thing about it. God does bait and switch all the time. Remember when uh, Abraham, what God told Abraham to do to his son? You remember? Tell him, drag him up on the hill and you're going to kill him as a sacrifice to me. All kinds of reasons that that would be shocking and out of line and everything else. But Abraham did it. They didn't fall through. Because <laughs> God made a way at the end. There are often times that God takes us down a road and we think we know where we're going. And then we end up having to make a hard turn. And uh, that's, that's, that's the way that, it, uh, uh, that, our, that our lives are, are going to be. Um, when people find out that I ha- that I ride, uh, I got to do motorcycle ministry for a long time. There's there's always two reactions to that. There's almost never like a middle ground, like a oh, I I don't really have a strong feeling either way on that. There's there's almost always two of them. There there's the one side. It's usually guys coming up to me and they go, oh man, you have got the life. Wow, I would love I would love to just jump on my motorcycle and hit the road and just ride and ride for Jesus. It must be the greatest thing in the world. Usually that's the introduction to the next little paragraph where they go, do you think you could talk to my wife and see if she'd let me get a Harley Davidson? (laughs) I say, no, 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 I cannot, pal. You know, you married her. You got to deal with her. I don't want nothing to do with it. Nothing. There's usually that side that think, wow, this must be the greatest thing on earth. Or... The other one is that this has got to be the stupidest thing that I have ever heard of. Don't you know how dangerous motorcycles are? Just in case any of you need to tell me about a horrible accident that you know someone on a motorcycle. I don't need it. I've heard it. I know. I know. I know. There's a, that's those, those two, two, two kind of things. But uh, the, the, the thing about it is it boils down to something. I saw it on a, a slogan on a T-shirt in a Harley-Davidson dealership, and it just says this. If I have to explain it, you wouldn't understand. Harley-Davidson. You know, great T-shirt. That's what it is. It's either in your blood or it isn't. It's something you really want to do or you don't. I love to ride. 
And it's uh, it's for isolated moments that I love to ride. I'm going to tell you that I think the majority of the time on a motorcycle, uh, there's more unpleasant that there is, than there is pleasant. We rode out here on uh, Friday and uh, got up and the weather wasn't all that bad. I think it was in the 50s, but we froze, all, or I did anyway, froze all the way over here. And there was, at no point was I saying, oh, this is just such a great, this is just such an awesome experience. I was thinking, no, so how far, how far is it to that Fort Robinson? Are we, are we there yet? What in the world? Wow, how can the highway get longer? I swear it said we only had 80 miles and now we've got 82. What's going on? I've been caught in horrible wind, rain, hail, and even snow. I've been in several major motorcycle accidents, several of which when the police met me at the hospital, they used this as their opening line with me. You know, you should be dead. And I thought, wow, and you've got your hand on your gun. Are you here to settle the... That's funnier than you guys are letting on. I'm joking. It it was really a great joke. But I still love to ride. My favorite motorcycle really isn't on the road at all anymore, but it used to be my main motorcycle. It's a 1951 Panhead Harley-Davidson. It's not fast. It's not reliable. It's not comfortable. But... My favorite thing is on that motorcycle, when I can find a really a smooth patch of road, which usually means I'm in a different state other than Nebraska. Okay, that was you, you reacted appropriately to that joke. But you can get on a, a smooth chunk of road that isn't... Uh, very well traveled, and the conditions are just right. On that motorcycle, you just kind of get in this, in this groove where you, you sort of blend, blend with the motorcycle. You feel like you're one with it, and if you didn't know any better, you'd think that you were flying. That's why I ride a motorcycle, is for those moments. They're not, they're not always that long, because usually just about the time that you get into that mode where you feel like you're flying, you see a truck coming. And usually as it gets a little bit closer, you see that it's got a cattle, a big cattle trailer on it. And as it gets closer, you think, oh boy, I wonder if there's cattle in there. And as it goes past you, whoa, and you feel the wind kind of rattle you back and forth. You also feel some liquid spray on your face. And I always hope, and I always think, and I look at this guy and say, is it possible that just for a microsecond as that truck uh, passed by, that it rained? I'm going to tell you the answer is always no. And I'm going to tell you don't lick your lips until it's dry. Okay? I love to ride. And I think the reason that God called me to use motorcycles as a tool for ministry is because He knows I like to ride. Isn't that odd? That God would actually use us in a way that might fit with some things that come natural to us. When I grew up, I thought that unless you were at least at least 
at least 64% miserable. I mean miserable. In pure misery, you couldn't possibly be in the will of God. You had to be just being tortured. And I don't think that's true. Not at all. In fact, I think God, I think that all of you probably have some, some, some talents and some interests that are completely different to me. But God might want to use you in those little giftings and, and interests that you already have to impact other people that have that kind of interest, right? Maybe not many of you ride motorcycles. I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't even know if I want to ask. I know some in this area do, but. I don't know. Maybe you don't. But I saw there was a pretty good golf course uh, uh, on the edge of town here. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I don't understand at all. is people who devote more than, more than a half an hour to swinging a club and hitting a ball and trying to get it to go through. I have no clue how you could possibly do that. And it used to be, back in the day, it used to be, like if I was in an airport somewhere, maybe I wanted some reading material, and I think, oh, maybe I can find a motorcycle magazine. That's, that almost never happened. But there would be like 14 magazines about golfing. I thought, what on earth? I'm going to tell you, there's, I'm not going to be very effective out on a golf course, but some of you might be passionate about that. It might be something that you practice and you might build some relationships. And sometimes when, when we do that, we, because we're Christians, we're a little bit afraid of getting contaminated by the world. And we'll see some things maybe on the golf course that we don't quite approve of. And we might recoil just a little bit. I want to encourage you to, to try to get a little bit thicker skin. And let people, let people observe a godly person even in those ungodly times. But someone shining the love of Christ. My mother, so a lot of years ago. But she was, she was working. She was a professional, well-respected. She ran a, a doctor's office in our town and did a, did a great job at it. In fact, when she retired, he quit. He couldn't find, he's like, this is too much, too much hassle. You were too good. I can't find anybody to replace you. He sold off, went to work for somebody else. But she was, she was going along and everything was good. She was well-respected and all of that. And then she just started to lose her mind. I didn't understand what was going on, but I mean, she was going crazy. She started making stuff out of string, right? Yeah, out of string, just out of the blue. Some of you may know, know of this. It was called crocheting. I never knew anything about this. I, I noticed, I said, Mom, Mom, what, what's happening here? Why are you spending so much time playing with string? And she says, oh, well, I used to do this when I was younger. I said, and you didn't learn your lesson? Why are you doing this now? Well, boy, she, she got to where she was doing this quite a bit. In fact, there started to be things show up. You, you, might, uh, you might have a, a rather bulky gift under the tree. And it used to be rolls of string and now it was some sort of blanket or, or something like that. I remember when we were expecting, we found out my wife was pregnant with our first son. My mother called and she asked a question that I didn't give an on, honest answer to. 
That's just confessional here. She said, would you like me to crochet, she never knits, crochet a blanket for the baby? And what I wanted to say is, no, Mom, I want you to get a life. <laughs> I really do. Because I've been to Walmart, and I've seen they have a whole section of baby blankets, and they're pretty high quality. My mom's blankets, if you hold them up to the light, you can see right through them. They're, they're not really going to do much good for you. They're, they're too loose. But I knew what answer I had to give. I said, yeah, yeah, Mom, that'd be, that'd be great. Make our son a substandard blanket. I said, yes. And uh, as she was making this blanket, she would call me sometimes. And sometimes she'd be very emotional. And she would say, I just want you to know, that while I'm crocheting this blanket, it took a while. She said, every, every stitch, she said, I'm praying for your son. She said, I'm, I'm praying that, he will dev- ha- that he'll be healthy. That if there's anything wrong with him, even right now while he's in his mother's womb, I'm asking God to heal him. I'm praying that when it's time to deliver that your wife will have a smooth delivery. I'm asking that the the medical personnel will be having their best day when it's that time and that they will know exactly what to do and that everything will go smooth. And she said, I'm also praying that, that... that this baby will, re- re- will realize God's plan for their life as soon as possible and that they will always follow hard after, the, after, after Him. I'm praying that God would help you to be a better father than you could possibly be and that He will give you wisdom and He will give you strength. I'm praying for your marriage. I'm praying for your wife. And she would go on and on and on and tell me how she was praying for my son and I was getting more and more confident and encouraged that God was involved in this. And when that baby was born, she was there at the hospital and she was holding that holy blanket that I felt was absolutely anointed with the power of God. And I couldn't have imagined taking my newborn child wrapped in anything else than that blanket that I knew was just bathed in prayer. And I tell you that story to let you know that my mother found a way to take something that I cared nothing about, that I was absolutely just doing uh, out of out of courtesy to her. She found a way to use that to impact my life in a big way. I can't tell you how many times that I've told her, Mom, I think it's time that you crochet another blanket for me. Because I know what that means and I know what that will bring. And what I want you to know is that God has given you gifts and talents and things to do that can impact this world in a great way. There's a passage of Scripture that I've used literally just to, just to guide my life. And this is, this is found in Luke chapter 15. If you can get there quickly, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. 
And there's a, the, the first couple of verses, I, I can't tell you how many times I've read this scripture and I read those first couple of verses as just sort of like the setting or it's just setting up the scene so you understand uh, something that is, is to come. But when I read this, I realized this is one of the most powerful things written about the life of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I found that really interesting. There are a couple of, couple of uh, there's like a cast of characters here. The first one that really jumps out at me is tax collectors and sinners. These were not reputable people. I know all of us today, we think, well, yeah, tax collectors. and I don't know of anybody that just goes, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I found out the IRS is going to actually go over some of my old returns with me. They're going to they're help make sure that I've done a great job with that. I've never heard anybody say that before. This was, this was different. These guys had a lot of authority given to them by the Roman government who were the oppressors of the Jewish people. These were Jewish people that worked, or maybe not in every case, but these would be people, a lot of them Jewish, who were working for this foreign government. And they were collecting taxes. And they were allowed to enrich themselves like crazy. You basically had to give whatever they said you had to give. There wasn't much way to appeal that. And these guys were hated by just about everyone. And they did everything in their power to make sure they deserved that hatred. Okay, That's them. The other group, it's just a more generic term. It's just sinners. This is, this is different. The best way I know to describe it, it's just people that for some reason, they were known... For what we hope, nobody ever finds out about us. Okay? They were sinners. It could have been that they were just from the wrong family. It could be that their parents were involved in some sort of uh, activity that got that label of sinners. And it just got passed on to them. But whatever it was, these were people who were kind of outcasts. In fact, if Jesus was coming into town and uh, he was nice to a sinner, a sinner might feel obligated to tell him this. You know, I know you're new around here, so you don't know who I am. If you hang around with me, the sheriff's probably going to drive by twice. (laughs) I'm the wrong kind of guy. If you want to get anywhere in this town... You should probably steer clear of me. These were the people that were gathering in and they wanted to hear Jesus. And it seems to me like they are the ones that when Jesus came to town, they would give him a wide berth. He was perfect. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if Jesus had been married? Every single argument he ever had with his wife would end the same way. It would be his wife saying, yeah, I know. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, what do we got to do to get back on track? See, with my wife, I just think I'm always right. Jesus 
was always right. It seems like these sinners would feel condemned. And I just, I just used my imagination to kind of unpack this. I wondered what it was that would make a sinner want to be close to Jesus. And I just came up with this out of my imagination. Okay, I'm not saying the Bible says this. But in my imagination, I think that when Jesus saw you, and this is in the Bible, but he knew things about you without you telling him. Okay? So when Jesus saw you, before maybe you said, I'm a sinner, he already knew. And I think it was probably pretty easy to figure out. So here's this sinner who comes, and they see, and Jesus is looking right through him. But I don't believe they would have seen condemnation in his eyes. I think they would have seen love in his eyes. And as they started to maybe confess who they were and tell him about their lives, I don't think that look would change from love to disgust or surprise or anything. I think that it would have just stayed in that mode and they would know that even though I am a sinner, this man loves me. But then Jesus could do that one thing that no one else could do. He could actually tell them, now go and sin no more. You are no longer a sinner. Nobody else could do that. Only Jesus. So maybe they walked away and the world still thought bad of them. But they knew Jesus Christ did not. You see, what drew them to Jesus was the same thing that drew me to Jesus. Knowing I had nowhere to turn, that I had completely ruined my life, I had shattered it, and there was no way that I could put it back together. And in just a few moments of surrender to Jesus Christ, He forgave my sins, and He put my life back together. And I got up and I walked away. When I came down, I was defeated. When I walked away, I was victorious, knowing that all things are possible with Jesus Christ. So it's not a stretch for me. But what? There's this other group. It was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they said, this man, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And that's, there's a couple things going on. When Jesus was just nice to sinners, that was eccentric. But once he sat down and broke bread and ate with them, in their eyes, he was contaminating himself with them. He was becoming one of them. And they could not, they could not stand him. So as it, continues, as it continues on, um, Jesus addresses them. This is uh, chapter three, or 15, verse 3. It says, Jesus then told them this this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together. Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. If there's one thing that I would want you to realize this morning, 
Maybe you already do. There's one thing I would want you to realize is that it's not about us anymore. We've, I've had a great time worshiping with you this morning. I felt God's presence in this place. I was encouraged as we, as we worshiped. And as I saw people coming and being prayed for by the pastor, I was encouraged. I was encouraged by the message that, was, that came through tongues and interpretation. I was encouraged this morning. I was really encouraged by some of the songs that you picked. They're all like they're almost all like biker songs. You don't know that, but that's what they were, man. Did you hear what that said? Behold, he comes riding on the clouds. Somebody there you gotta read scripture. I know it says it's horses and all that, but hmm? I know that's what you think. <laughs> Whatever it is, it doesn't say behold he comes driving. On the clouds. Just incredible message of hope this morning. Boy, I feel like we need that, don't we? Just just know this this morning. Because I know our world, man, it just seems like things are so out of control. Our country, things just seem so out of control. And it, it, might, it might seem like, wow, what are we going to do? Know this. God's going to set everything right. It's, it's all going to be settled. It is. I've had a wonderful time here today. And God is, I, I believe that God is pleased with what's happened here today. It's not about us. So there would be more rejoicing in heaven if just one, one person didn't know Christ, came to know Christ. Just that causes a great rejoicing in heaven that we can't even touch. It's not about us anymore. Why am I going to Ukraine? I'm just going to tell you, this isn't the way I saw my life going. It really isn't. Why am I going to Ukraine? Because those people in Ukraine are important. One of the, one of the things that I got used to being asked in Ukraine, I'd meet a Ukrainian and they'd tell him I was an American. They'd say, are you a real American? Who are you to ask me, man? Who do you think you are? I'll show you a real American. I didn't understand that question. And what they meant was, was I born in America? And I said, yeah, I was born in America. And then right away they would, they would say this. They'd go, then why are you here? It's a fair question. Because they want to come here. They, they can't imagine someone leaving America and going to live in Ukraine. Especially not with a war on. I'm going to get that question a lot. Why are you here? You know what I'm able to tell them? God sent me. And they say, why did God send you? I said, because He wanted you to know that He loves you. He's got hope. There's nothing you've done that's so bad that he wouldn't accept you as his child. And it's a message that it's welcome. I'd like to say it always ends in them kneeling and praying with me. It doesn't. usually doesn't. There's that process. Then there's usually a question that comes after that. Well, what do 
do you do for a living? They said, I tell people that Jesus loves them. They said, how, how on earth are you doing that? They said, there's a lot of people in America that I told about you. And I told them you didn't know that Jesus loved you. And they thought it was really important that you did. So I said, they sent me. I found this right below my uh, commemorative prayer card. And these mean a lot to me. They're not very many of them left. So if, if you got one last time, it's because you said that you would commit to pray for Ukraine. I just want you to know the children that, that braided these ribbons, I won't go through the whole story, but it was the children of the village of Motaviloka that braided these ribbons. And I told them it's because I wanted to come back to Ukraine, but I had to raise money. I had to do all this stuff. And I said, I want to be able to give people something who will commit to pray for me and what God's called me to do. And then they'll be praying for Ukraine. And that means that they'll be praying for you. And so, man, they, they, they braided these things. They stayed up all night. They did until the, they ran out of ribbon. They did this. But I just want you to know those same kids that braided these ribbons, the last report I got from them is they were braiding camo nets now for the military. So there's just a great need in Ukraine. There's a whole, there's a whole generation that's, that's learning a new definition of hopelessness. There's a whole generation of orphans and widows that there's a root of bitterness that's taken hold of their life. And God has called me to go there and to preach forgiveness and deliverance and let them know that that is not the power they should serve, that Jesus Christ can give them life when they feel like they have no hope. And I want to thank you. I want to ask you, please help us get there and thank you for what you're doing right now. But I want you to know that God has called you to do the same thing. Maybe right here in Crawford. Maybe... Maybe on your street. Maybe it's in your own neighborhood. And God has given you possibly a special in with that person. that They would never listen to your pastor in a hundred years. But they might listen to you. I want to close in prayer. God, thank you so much that you love us. That you know us. And that you have a plan for, your, for, for our lives. I want to pause very, very briefly right here. I want everybody to keep your eyes closed, your head bowed. But if you're here today, and you've been hearing me talk about all this stuff, about this relationship with Jesus and how much He loved, uh, loves everybody, and you realize, I don't know what He's talking about. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is here right now, and He wants for this to be your moment. And if you would like, if you, you realize you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you would like to begin one today, would you please, between you and me, slip up a hand right where you're at and say, I, I'm tired of being on the outside. I want to be on the inside. Is there anyone here today? I'm not going to wait a long time. Is there anyone? You would raise your hand right now and say, I need to either make things right with God or start a relationship with Him. Okay? I haven't seen... Oh, I do. I see a hand right now. Is there anybody else? There's one. There's two. 
there anyone else here today? There's three. Anyone else would say, I need to make things right with God. I need to start a relationship with Him. Okay? This doesn't have to be complicated. Right? To start is easy. It's something that you enter into and takes a lifetime. But starting is easy. I'm gonna, I want us all to pray a simple prayer together. The Bible says that this, when starting a relationship with Christ is, a, is started with faith. That means you express your belief in what Jesus Christ said He came to do. He died on the cross for our sins. He shed His blood, but He didn't stay dead. Three days later, He rose again. He defeated death. And He is now sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. That's what my wife talked about. The Bible says we need to express our belief in that. That's how we become partakers of that. So I would like all of us now, I'm not asking just those three who raised their hand, I would like all of us, I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and you repeat that prayer after me. And those of you who raised your hand, you pray this with all your heart, and today is going to be the day that God meets you. Maybe for the first time, Or maybe you're just setting things right. But let's pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, I love You. Thank You for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank You for defeating death and giving me the hope of eternal life. Please forgive me of every mistake that I have made. Forgive all of my sins. I confess them to you now. Help me not to do them again. Please come into my, into my heart. My very inner being. And be the leader of my life. Help me know where to go. And know what to do. And always live for you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to know if you prayed that prayer this morning, God has heard you. And He is taking you at your word right now. And according to Scripture, your sins are gone. They're gone. You, you no longer, there's nothing left to do for them. Jesus Christ has forgiven you. And today is the first day of your relationship with Him. Now, I let this be a private thing. I want to ask you to do something else. You are surrounded by Christians who know how this works. Will you please make sure that you tell someone, maybe tell this pastor right here, he, he would love to know. But tell someone what you did and ask them to help you. If you were maybe a little intimidated by the raising your hand thing, but you still prayed with all your heart, talk to someone. We don't do this alone. It says we're part of a body. You and I need each other. Okay? All right.
According to scriptures, there's great rejoicing happened in heaven right now. Can we just can we just finish and let's praise God right now and we'll and we'll conclude this service. God, thank you so much. Father, thank you for what you're doing here in this service right now. God, I pray that you would now speak to your people. And God help help us to see uh, to 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 see what's going on around us and to, to see the people who are there that you put into our lives so that we could communicate the gospel. And then God, we ask that as we offer ourselves to you that the, that your kingdom is built. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, God. Thank you for this church. God, thank you for this pastor. We ask you, Lord, as we get ready to go our separate ways, that we would go with you with your blessing and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, Curtis, know you appreciate him. Teresa, if you guys can come up. We're going to lay our hands on them. We're going to pray for them, and then I'm going to speak the blessing over uh, the body before we go. So if we can pray for our missionaries, these are people going and serving. Uh, We have an opportunity to pray before them, before they go, and pray while they're there. Uh, So if some people want to come lay hands on them, uh, I'd appreciate if some people put their hands on their feet. I know that's kind of weird, but uh, blessed are the feet of those. Um, So if we can do that as well, that'd be great. Graham, put your hands on their feet. It is. God, we thank you for a God who gets us. Uh, We thank you for a God who formed us. Thank you for a God who calls us and a God who sends us. And that we can have confidence that you don't send us without um, going before us and coming behind us. So for the Hubbles, God, I pray your hand upon them. I I thank you for what you've accomplished, and I thank you for where you've led them, and I thank you for where you're taking them. And I ask God for every need that that might be there would be met according to the riches that are found in Christ Jesus. I ask, Lord, that you go before them and prepare the ministry that is to come. I ask that you uh, secure the places and the ideas and the things that need to be in place in order for the kingdom of God to be revealed in Ukraine. I thank you, God, for a God who loves us. I thank you for a God who calls us, and I thank you for your plans that are beyond our comprehension. And we ask, God, that you meet every need. We ask that you calm every concern. We ask that you move every mountain in Jesus' name. Amen. If you appreciate the Hubbles, you're supposed to go to their table. Uh, I'll say this, the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you go how God has formed you to go. Amen? Be blessed.